Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 34 The Girl Again Cities are never as big as you think they are. You're never as far away from someone as you'd like to think. We all go around in our wee bubbles, thinking that they're small, no larger than a handful. And then you hear something that makes you think the world's a lot smaller than that. We're all a lot closer. It was the end of the month, and most of my pals were living off of instant ramen and freddos, but still wanted to have some fun. We usually took turns hosting the others, usually whoever had the most money to spare, or the most booze lying around. On this occasion, and on many before, that was me. Bria was the first to arrive. A dish of nachos in her hand she'd managed to cobble together for what she'd had in her cupboard with a sly warning that one or more things had been out of date. I took the nachos, she took a large glassy wine, and we sat waiting for the others, having a catch-up before everyone else arrived. I didn't know how we got on to the topic. Perhaps it was after the shop had come up, but she began to tell me about her cousin. He was having a bit of a hard time recently, and in the last week it had only got worse. It was a few days after they'd lost their job. It had been out of the blue, an unexpected redundancy. They'd loved their job, even though it wasn't that well paid, but without a salary coming in they were getting worried over the debts they had. Credit cards and loans would continue to pile up if they couldn't pay them. As most people seem to do when they have money worries, they spend what little they do have on drink at the pub, hoping to lose the burdeny worry at the bottom of a pint glass. One night, well into the bender, the cousin was lamenting loudly to whoever would listen about their money worries drunkenly rambling about how bad debt was and how unfair their employers had been. During this rant, they had said the golden words I usually hear in the shop. They'd do anything to have it fixed. I had to remind myself I wasn't in the shop, sitting on the floor in front of the coffee table listening to a customer. Those words sent unease writhing in my gut until I could pull myself back. I was in my own house talking to a pal. There was no shop here, no customer and no problem, supernatural or otherwise. The cousin, a step away from being cut off by the bartenders, then noticed a girl approach. She took the stool beside theirs, put her own drink down on the table and swivelled so she was holding their gaze. I didn't know what the cousin thought, if he was about to be scammed or hit on. The girl let the silence linger, letting it grow awkward, 
past the point a comfortable. The cousin waited, not wanting to touch their drink any more and beginning to think they've drank so much they were hallucinating. The girl sipped her own drink, letting her eyes follow the glass as she put it back down on the table, condensation dripping down the sides and onto the sticky bar surface. Then she spoke. Was the cousin serious? Would he give anything to have his problems go away? Feeling the tension dissipate, but still not quite knowing what was happening, the cousin snorted into their own glass and said, yes, of course they would. Perhaps they thought they were joking. Perhaps deep down in that childish party, every person, they were hoping that a stranger could snap their fingers and everything would be fixed. The girl nodded and then said she could give the cousin gold, enough to pay off all of the debts. The cousin went to stare at the girl, about to laugh in appreciation of her joke, or her charm, or whatever she had going on. Beside her glass was a pile of five small gold bars, shining eagerly in the dim light. Never having seen a gold bar, the cousin at first thought they were fake. The stamped writing on the surface, showing its weight, the company that had made it, and an official-looking list of numbers that were possibly an identifier, all served to snake doubt into their mind. The girl, after letting the cousin stare longer than intended, reassured that they were real and would cover all of their debt, we extra left over. All she wanted in return was the watch on their wrist. Was that it? Ollie that gold for one single watch? A Rolex, perhaps. An antique. It didn't matter. Between glances at the gold and the watch, one disappeared. The cousin's wrist felt naked, exposed, and when they glanced down, the watch was gone, and so was the girl, the gold left beside her empty glass. Bria took a sip of her wine, interrupting the story. I checked if the gold was fake and that her cousin had just been robbed. The answer was why she'd had to take some wine. The gold had been genuine, exactly as the lassie had said it'd been enough to pay off the cousin's debt and leave a nice wee nest egg left over. I needed to go to this bar and beg poverty. Bria still looked troubled, as though there were more to this tale. The cousin, despite no having the burdeny debt hanging over them, was saddened by the whole thing. The watch that had been given in exchange for the gold had been worth more than all of the gold bars in the country. To the cousin, at least. The watch that had been taken had belonged to their grandfather, who'd been dead a few years, but had given the watch to the cousin when they turned 18. The two had been close, closer than the rest of the grandchildren, 
the grandfather had practically raised them. The watch was one of the only things the grandfather had left behind, and the cousin had cherished it above all other possessions. Bria told me the cousin could he sold the watch and put a dent in the debt if they'd wanted. It was quite valuable, a family heirloom. But they'd refused, no matter how bad money got. Knew that the watch was gone, they were heartbroken. They'd intended to keep the gold and try to find the lassie to return it in exchange for the watch. But the family hadn't felt the same and cashed the gold in. I felt like I was in the shop. I felt the same levelly confusion. The watch may have been worth some, but no as much as the gold the girl had left. Why the exchange? What did the watch really do? My mind drifted to Madame Honora, then away. It seemed too altruistic for her. Could it be the Madame? The same madam who never left the shop and who let customers come to her to fix their problems. Who was this person who exchanged gold for a sentimental watch? Bria said the cousin had found the girl again, waited in the same bar one night to beg her to reverse their deal. She'd refused, saying they were the one who'd promised to do or give anything. She'd smiled and shooed them away, crossing her legs over each other and arranging her green velvet dress, reaching her painted hand up to smooth a loose lock of ginger hair. Ginger hair? No. It was a coincidence. Plenty of people had ginger hair. Plenty of people who'd been trapped in books had ginger hair. Plenty of people making deals in bars had ginger hair. I asked Bria what bar it was, trying to keep my tone casual, and she told me just before the buzzer went and the rest of our wee gathering had arrived. I found it difficult to concentrate for the rest of the night, wishing I could suggest we go to this bar. I knew I needed to go alone so my visit would have to wait. The next night I made my way there, half hoping it was wishful thinking, half hoping I'd see the creature I released for a book, if a creature she was. I'd never heard of anything apart from demons and madams that made deals with people, one thing in exchange for another. Was there a third madam, or was it just something I'd never heard of? I didn't know anything about the lassie in the book. I hadn't found any clue as to who she was or why she was in there in the first place. I did know it was my responsibility to put her back inside and hope I didn't have more people's injury and pain on my hands. What I'd done to read was heavy enough. I wasn't dressed to go out, but it was a weekday when bars were the quietest only filled with regulars and the occasional person wanting a change. I found the bar where Bria said it was, nestled in the corner beside an old butcher's and opposite a Thai restaurant that looked as empty as the bar did. 
I opened the door and let the music spill onto the street. It was warm inside, the music background noise. One person looked at me, sitting at one of the booths, evidently waiting for someone they'd arranged to meet. Most of the tables were occupied by people who looked like they never left the chairs they sat in, and one or two booths were taken by groups of people that were as natural there as the stains on the table. I made my way over to the bar but didn't sit. I wasn't here to drown my sorrows or spend money I didn't have. I got the bartender's attention and asked her about the incident. I told her my name was Bria and I was here to see if I could intervene with a lassie and get the watch back. I didn't think I even needed to lie. The bartender was so eager to tell the story. She was more than eager to pull someone into her tornado-y gossip. According to her, the ginger-haired lassie had become a regular in the last few months. Every Thursday night, without fail, she'll turn up at the bar and start drinking. Despite how many she has, she never acts like she's drunk. Every Thursday night, drink in hand, she'll approach another patron and offer them a deal. Most of them say she's a thief and has stolen them, but usually left something more worth in its place. Some of the regulars, and even staff, have complained to the manager about her, wanting her to be banned as she causes nothing but trouble. Yet, for some reason, they don't. The bartender told me she thinks it's because the manager made a deal with her too, so can he throw the lassie out? I nodded in understanding but she was the type of person who doesn't really need any feedback to maintain a conversation. When I visited, it wasn't a Thursday, so I had a few days to wait and plan what I was going to do. Christ, was it going to be embarrassing for me if this ginger-haired lassie wasn't the same one I'd let out of the book? On Thursday, I get there at the start of the night, just after the open, pick a table and make it my home. Thankfully there was Wi-Fi, so at least I could do some coursework whilst I staked the place out. It's not nearly as glamorous as it is on the telly. People I'd seen a few nights before came in and took the exact same tables and chairs. Nervous-looking people arrived, dolled up and smelling like they raided lush, who were waiting for their Tinder or Bumble date. I sat there for hours ordering non-alcoholic drinks and most of their snack menu. The bartender I'd spoken to the other day told the others who I was, so at least I wasn't getting heated looks for them. People around me got merrier, some got louder, but still the ginger-haired girl didn't arrive. I thought maybe she'd moved on, perhaps my pal's cousin had proved a step too far. I needn't have worried though. She eventually arrived, and just like with every opening of the door, every waft a cold night air that came in through the gap, I glanced briefly up, expecting it to be no one. I saw the green velvet dress, 
the blood-red lips and the curled ginger hair, and I felt a jolt in nerves in my stomach. It was her, the lassie for the book. I'd chosen a table far away from the door, in a corner. I could see whoever came in better than they could see me. Abandoning my coursework, my gaze followed her as she sauntered casually over to the bar and sat down, peeling her coat off with envious grace. No sooner did she have a drink in her hand than she had a look around the bar, eyes raking over every regular face and every new one. I gritted my teeth in anticipation of recognising me. But a drunken demand for another drink at the bar pulled her attention away before she got to me. One of the patrons, a few stools away from her, was asking loudly for another drink. So addled we booze they thought they were speaking normally. They bore their misery about as well as they bore their drink. Poorly. I couldn't tell what was wrong by looking but it was enough for the ginger-haired lassie to approach. She did slowly, like an adder sliding silently through the grass to snatch a mouse. I was too far away to hear what she said, if she said anything at all or just stared like last time. But I was ready. Closing the lid of my laptop, I darted across the bar and planted myself in between the lassie and her future victim. I told him she was a thief, and that if he wasn't careful, he'd wake up tomorrow morning finding all his life savings gone. I think he was too drunk to digest what I was saying. Thankfully, the bartenders helped get him outside and into a taxi. In the meantime, I took his seat and glowered at the lassie. All she did was smirk into her glass and I began to wonder if she'd always known I was in the bar and that she'd approached a man to lure me out. I told her she should come back to the shop. I made sure no to mention the book but it lingered in the silence after I'd finished. She started tutting me, reminding me that was near deal. She didn't have to do anything unless I knew her name. Did I? Had I figured it out yet? She asked, sickly sweet, but I felt the hidden barbs. Waspishly I said I hadn't, but that it wasn't fair to upset people for no reason, taking items that were precious to them. It was brief, but there was a flash of anger behind her eyes, as she carefully placed her glass down on the table. I heard the curt thunk as it touched the wood. Her smile was shallower, her humour faded. She told me it wasn't for no reason, and that it was just her nature. There was nothing really wrong with it. People got what they wanted in the end, they just had to pay the price and she never forced them to do anything. I could have pointed out that they never outright agreed to it either, but I kept silent. Her smile turned feral, 
teeth exposed in a humourless way. She said if I didn't like it, then I'd need to be cleverer. Irritation bit like a midge in summer. But what could I say against that accusation? How long had it been and I was no further towards solving this problem than I had been the day she'd sprang for the book? Fuck her. She knew she'd won. She knew I was powerless. After downing her drink and throwing me one last triumphant smirk, she left the bar. And I knew she wouldn't be returning. That bar, at least, wouldn't be haunted by her. The patron's safe at last for her scheming deals. There was nothing I could do about the next place she decided to designate her hunting grounds. It was the end of the month. It was the end. <laughs> I took the nachos. She took a gl- Bleh. The cousin was lamenting loudly to whoever would listen about their money worries. Drunkily, drunkily? <laughs> nope, that's not, that's not a word. I needed to go to this bar and peg, peg? And peg poverty. <laughs> no, no, no. The next night, I made my way there, half hoping it was visual. I did know it was my responsibility to pook her. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, it's one of those mornings. It is one of those mornings. I'm not joking. (laughs) To pook her back inside, really? Holy hell. Oh. Like an adder sliding silently through the glass. Glass, really? Thank you for listening to episode 34 of The Antique Shop. Episode 35 will be released in two weeks' time. Hello. Just a short rant from me this week. I don't think many people outside of Scotland will have heard of the name that I gave Maya's friend. So if you manage to get to the end of the episode wondering what on earth I was doing, the name I chose for Maya's friend is obviously Bria. It is a real name. It is a real word. It's actually a Gaelic name, so I don't think you would have heard of it really outside of Scotland. I've never actually met anybody with the name personally. Not have I ever heard of anybody with that name, but it is quite a popular name. And you will understand why when I tell you what it means. So Bria, it means beautiful. There. <laughs> yeah. So the name of Maya's friend is Gaelic. It is not spelled how it's pronounced because Gaelic. And there's your Scottish word for the week, or Gaelic word for the week, rather. Don't say I don't educate you on anything other than history. So another small cultural note. I mentioned Freddo's in the episode and I don't think anybody outside of the UK are going to know what they are. 80% of you are American so I will be explaining this for you. So instant ramen I think everybody knows you have that in other places in the world. So Freddo's are wee chocolate... I don't... Oh god how do you explain what a Freddo is? Oh that's so weird. You don't realise how weird something in your own culture is until you have to explain it to somebody that's not in your culture. Yeah, so, right, I'm going to try this. (laughs) Freddo is a chocolate 
frog-shaped treat that you get in the in the UK. They've been around for years. They were they were around when I was a bairn, uh, a good twenty years ago, <laughs> and they're still around. Um, so yeah, they're 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 essentially a chocolate-shaped frog, but they're flat and they have caramel on the inside. I think I've not had one. Oh, I've not had one in actual decades. So yes, they are essentially a chocolate frog, but it's flat and yeah, it's got caramel inside. And they used to be ten pence, but I think they had to put them up. <laughs> yeah, like everything good, they 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 got put up. I might be wrong. I've not. As I said, I've not bought or really seen one. They still sell them, though, I think. They're still around. I don't know how popular they are, but they used to be 10 pence. But I think there was not a news story a few years ago. Somebody from the UK remind me, or tell me, but I I think a few years ago they put them up and there was like this outrage, this national outrage that they'd put up Freddos from 10 to like 12 pence. Maybe it's like 20 now. Inflation's a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, that's what a Freddo is. So they, um, when I was growing up, as I said, they were 10 pence. I, I only ever maybe bought one or two. I'm not, I don't have a massive sweet tooth, so I'm not that big a fan of chocolate. But when I was a bairn, I think I bought a few. And yeah, they're they're not very big. They're maybe, oh, I don't know, like maybe eight centimetres long for our American friends, maybe four inches. Um, they're really not, that big and as I said yeah they're Fredo is the frog that that's his name <laughs> oh god so yeah you don't realize how strange how yeah how weird something is until you have to explain it to somebody that is not familiar with it that's what a Fredo is so it's put it in because obviously Maya and her friends were meant to be like skint at the end of the month so they couldn't afford proper meals so obviously a 10 pence Fredo and a 90 pence instant ramen cup it's a pound <laughs> So yeah, there you go. There's my, there's your <laughs> there's your cultural education for uh, of the UK for the week as well. So you got your Scottish word of the week slash Gaelic word of the week, and you've got your cultural thing of the week for the UK. The third thing is more of an announcement that will not affect anybody, even myself. It is officially Doctor Ghostly Thistle now, <laughs> which it's been almost a week since I found out. And it hasn't sunk in, I don't think. It's it's still really weird. Yeah, I was Miss. So obviously I use Miss. My real name. Miss Ghostly Thistle. <laughs> anyway, Miss was the title that I've been using since birth. And it's still really strange. I think I haven't changed anything. So I haven't actually changed it on my bank details or on my like address or anything like that. But the first thing I changed was my CV which was quite weird. I don't know why that was the first thing I went for. I it, It's still so strange to kind of remove the mess and, and put doctor. It's it, it's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It, it's very unsettling. Like, some part of it's a bit unsettling. Yeah, becoming doctor. Now I have the rest of my life to call myself doctor now. Great. I, I really hope I don't become one of those people that insists it's doctor. It, it, it's nothing but doctor. How dare you call me anything else? So I'm hoping that that's not going to be me. And then my ego is not going to inflate so much that I am the dickhead in the room. (laughs) Anyway, I promise I won't. I promise I'll keep my ego in check. So yes, there we go. There's my news. There's my personal news that, yeah. So yeah, it's taken a while, I know, but it is official now. I got the confirmation from the university. It is official. 
Thank you so much for listening and I hope to see you next time.